Part 1. Detective Rook Black. Chapter 1. Marco Polo. 1. The Scent of Blood. Grass and blood, Rook thought. Why? Papers spread around the lab like ornate white hand fans scrawled with brittle black inked handwriting and chemical equations revealed Dr. Chess's research was obsessive. The botanist, Detective Rook Black, quickly surmised, took pride in his ability to discern the scents of numerous species of grass. A framed photo showed the white-haired doctor blindfolded, an assistant waving a small vial of oil-borne grass extract under his nose. Name that grass, Rook thought. Name that blood. Dr. Chess, far beyond simply studying grass, was studying the relationship of grass to blood. The molecules of each, Rook noted from equations prominently and seemingly permanently displayed on a chalkboard, were quite similar. Four atoms of nitrogen made a square, and in the center was one atom of either magnesium or iron. The difference between a plant and an animal was an improbably simple jump from chlorophyll to hemoglobin, from green to red, from go, Rook thought, to stop. He observed animated screensaver footage of chloroplast cells squirming like green bubbles alongside footage of red blood cells flowing in an artery. Both cellularly viscous in form and sharp, acrid, and metallic in scent. In grass, the metal was magnesium, and in blood, iron. The olfactory difference Rook seized as he breathed in the scent of the laboratory's live grasses was in the smell of the metal. Grass and blood he realized, one miraculous atom apart. Rook knew all too well the scent of blood, if it could be called a scent. When fresh, his own, a nick on the lip while shaving, it was not cannibalistic to lick it. It was strangely pleasing. Blood was the taste of iron, of red, rusty, oxidized iron, but when pooling in death, then coagulating, it was rust, deflowering into rot. It was an abhorrent stench he had first smelled when he had found his father in the bathtub. The man's wrists slit, and the edges of iron-rich red spatters like the stain of dying leaves, blackening on the slick, white tile. The detectives investigating his father's apparent suicide eventually had burned 
pounds of oily, roasted coffee beans to mask the stench, cleared of patricide, released solo to the world, and Ashenrook struggled with the mental void of death, and he reeled against the overwhelming silence that took the place of what had been his father's immense genius. His father was the only person he had ever really spoken in depth with, and he ambled the dark New York City streets, his ears crashing with unanswered questions, seeking solace from the ugliness and voiceless noise. The streets reeked of sewage, haunting him with death. In time, as Rook became accustomed to dead bodies, he became increasingly silent and comfortable with the void left behind from vanished lives. But he never became accustomed to the stench. Menthol under the nose was not strong enough. Away from the crime scene, Rook habitually sank his senses into a cup of black coffee, thick, dank, and bitter as mud. He was addicted to coffee, and he was addicted to crime. He understood his addictions and accepted them in the same way he accepted the color of his eyes, coal black and simply there. Weed, blood, grass, chess, hash, assassin. The alliteration rolled over Rook's inner tongue and clattered into killer. Hash killer, chess killer. That one dredged through him, opening a memory of his father's murder and his next thoughts stretched over that grisly image of the naked man in the tub. Chess killer. Grass killer. Weed killer. Rook abandoned the memory and the lab with his forensic samples, carefully arranged in a black leather case, his mind idling whether Dr. Chess was a pusher or being pushed. The hash oil seemed to be absolutely pure. The skanky jar, so innocently out in the open in the lab, could stone the city. Back in his office, Rook studied the samples. A piece of used chalk that cleanly held a set of bloody fingerprints, most notably the index, belonged, he discovered, to Dr. Chess. The vomit proved to be paper pulp, black ink, and gastric acid. The blood samples proved to be animal. Rook wasn't sure which one. Relaxing as his preliminary day of investigation came to a draw, Rook contemplated his desk, within which a chessboard was neatly inlaid, and he dipped a needle into the hash oil. He lit a match and held it under the needle. When the hash oil smoked, Rook sucked the smoke into his lungs through a glass tube. He coughed spastically on the harsh fumes for a long moment, and the stone hit him like an iron blanket. Reaching for his leather feedback mask, 
in which were sewn 113 nano-electrodes. His mind rippled like the sea. He slipped the mask over his head, and as he buckled it, the nano-electrodes mated with those embedded under his scalp. He sailed adrift in clues as the pungent stench of the hash jammed his lungs and tongue. Rook Black the Psychonaut closed his eyes, thinking, something smells.